0: Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live.
1: There's so much that's true about the saying, you have to spend money to make money. And for me, that means that I look at how can I innovate before I'm thinking through how much money I could ever make in anything. If you really want to make an impact in the world, you have to first identify how you make an impact on yourself. And what I mean by that is you have to be aware of who you are, what's good for you, what's not good for you, what brings you joy, what replenishes you. Unfortunately, what I've seen over the years is there are many ways in which we understand mental health and there are many many ways in which we don't we don't, we don't,
0: we don't, we don't What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today on the show is Matt Marek. Matt is a buddy of mine and a freaking genius, kindest, most wonderfulest person in the world. You can't tell I like Matt, right? He's got a company called Good Neighbor, which is a mental health and developmental disability services company. And his primary mission is to support individuals and families in achieving a life of opportunity, independence, and growth. Okay. So listen, Matt is such a smart, successful businessman, but here's the thing. He has such a big heart for the kind of work that he does. So he's not looking, He yes, he's financially very successful, but he doesn't look for the financial success. He looks for where he can make impact, impact. That's what he's about is impact. So in this interview, I'm going to, I'm going to talk with him about how he ticks, how he thinks about things, why impact is so important. And I think that you will love this interview. There's so much here for you. He's one of my dearest friends in the world. And I just think you're going to get a lot of value out of this. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Matt Marek. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rob. Glad to
1: be involved and uh, get to speak with you today, as always.
0: Our mutual friend, Tony, said to me, you know, Matt is like one of these guys where he'll go as deep as you're willing to go with him, but he's always going to beat you. He's always going to go deeper. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Have you always had that personality?
1: Yeah, I, I would say I prob- probably as a reflection of most of the uh, things I would hear from from people. And, um, I I don't think it's not, you know, for me, it's not a competition. I I think I'm just that curious sometimes about things. I just enjoy life in that way. You know, there's not much that doesn't pique my interest and I always want to know more. And I I truly believe there's like this root cause or understanding to things in life. And I really will spend a lot of time digging, (laughs) digging ditches and digging holes and, uh, Going as far as I can go to really kind of discover, you know, what are the origins of stuff? Where where did it come from?
0: Yeah, well, let's do this. Let's let's kind of start a little bit at the beginning. You're you're like one of these guys for me that just has this spectacular ability to really fully and deeply understands the why behind the mm-hmm. things that you do, the why behind what other people do, and you're always seeking that out. So I want to start this conversation by talking about how you watching your grandparents care for someone who was uh, intellectually disabled, how that mm-hmm. impacted how you view empathy today.
1: You know, Rob, I, th- I think as a whole, our environment at, at, you know, prior to even being born into the world is shaping us. And my grandmother was just an incredibly empathetic person. I think she, I never heard her speak bad about anyone. I would see her. I remember when I was really young, seeing um, an interracial couple in, in Virginia, We're not, we haven't necessarily been the most progressive in looking at that, that thing as being somewhat of a norm. But um, I remember her. Somebody saying something that was around us, and, and she really speaking to them and look at them like, uh, you don't understand what you're talking about. Like love is really it, it's everything. It's how people choose to express themselves to one another and connect to one another. And you know, <laughs> at my grandmother's funeral a couple of years ago, I, I just I've never not stopped hearing the stories of things she's done for people. And there was even a family, um, a dentist actually that I'd seen when I was a kid, um, had a, a intellectually disabled son, and or developmentally disabled. However, uh, some people you choose to use the language. And they came up to me afterwards, and they, they after the funeral, they said, "You know, if it hadn't been for your grandmother giving us a place to stay when we first had our son, we would have never gotten." into the career or being able to have the career that we've had because she really looked after their son when they were going through school to, or, or his dad was going through school to get licensed. And there there's just so many of those stories throughout the existence of my grandmother's life and still to this day that I hear about that I didn't know that I realized those things were just shaping me really early on.
0: Well, I was, I was going to say that one of the things that you said about your grandmother being a validator, what would you Mm -hmm. sort of like consider that to be, you know, what we're talking about today as emotional intelligence.
1: Yeah. I believe emotional intelligence really is something that uh, significantly is, is a part of what we're trying to understand in today's day and age. And, you know, being or feeling siloed in society these days, I think, has almost become a norm because we've believed for a little while now, since we've had the ability to connect with one another digitally in the ways that we have, that um, that's connection. And there's something, uh, you know, it's almost replaced in some ways the, the humanity of, of being face to face with someone and feeling that person's existence in the room. <laughs> Which for me is a, a much deeper level of how I understand people and connect with people.
0: So, sort of like where we are in the digital world right now, it's creating this divide where we're not actually taking the time to listen to each other in any meaningful way, and thus creating more separation from each other, more anxiety, more depression, and I would suspect even as even you know as dramatic as it is, or as as significant as it is suicide, right? Absolutely.
1: And very unfortunately, you know, I think we've seen the in- increase of that over the past 20 years. I mean, inc- inc- significant increase in, in suicides.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it makes a lot of sense. You know, people seem to me to be quick to dismiss and they're very, very slow to empathize, uh, particularly in, in you know, your worlds. You know, being in, being in the business. I guess I don't know what the word to put it of, of mental challenges. Right to help, to help people who want to get better at this area of their life. Could you talk about maybe? maybe how you view someone with mental health struggles because you're in that world, you're around it all day long. And, you know, it's so easy for all of us to pass judgment on somebody maybe either not understanding the struggles that they have, maybe not knowing what mental illness is, what mental illness isn't. You know, if I walk in, if I go down the beach here in LA and I, you know, I walk down the beach in Santa Monica, I'm I'm stepping over, you know, homeless people and, you know, if I'm yeah. being yeah. honest with you, I'm trying to understand the difference between, you know, are these people that don't want to work, that have given up on life, that are on drugs, that have mental illness. And it gets very, very confusing to sort through that and, you know, become empathetic. So I thought maybe you can, you know, shed some light since you're in that world and and maybe help. Give people some tools on how they can approach, you know, sort of the world that we're living in now, in 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 the larger cities.
1: I'll first answer that question by both qualifying and unqualifying myself. I am not a clinician, <laughs> however, yep. I, I, I did start a company in the mental health and and developmental disability space uh, at the age of twenty four, and um, I've been in the field now for almost uh, sixteen years, and. I would say my own understanding of mental health has evolved quite significantly from that point in starting the organization until now. And unfortunately, what I've seen over the years is there are many ways in which we understand mental health, and there are many, many ways in which we don't. And to me, that's why I find like right now to be such an incredible time to be involved with it, because... People are trying to make sense out of it. it. It is one of the biggest issues in the world. And I believe the systems aspect of treatment has to change. Bottom line, we don't have systems that are equipped right now to support people. And your mind and your body are not separated. And the healthcare system as a whole separates it. It's a very siloed system in that way. Um, it's very binary in that way. And my, I, I believe my true calling and some of the work that I'm doing is to reattach <laughs> in some ways the treatment ability of the mind and the body to be one again. And those conditions are what lead people down those routes, unfortunately. And we don't have enough job programs to offer people where there's employers who are saying, hey, look, I want to be a part of our community in the way that I, I'm helping people who are on the streets get back on their feet and find
0: a job. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really is incredible at how it's everywhere. And, you know, as I travel around the world, I don't see it as much as I do here. You know, there's a lot more poverty in different places of of the world that I travel, but it's, you know, it's just always so incredible to me to walk down the streets of, you know, what's arguably one of the richest countries in the world. um, And yet we've got homelessness everywhere. One of the things that It has always been fascinating for me, and I'd like you to kind of just add a little color to this idea, but you are never a guy from my experience that follows the money. You're always a guy that looks at impact and what you can do, and that has served you well. Most people, they're trying to create a product, they're trying to sell it, they're trying to make some money and you know, create an exit. But that's not how you approach things. You approach things... Um, based upon impact, can you talk a little bit about um, how you do that, and maybe uh, shed some light on that?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say, Rob, you know, impact to me is um, it's what life is really about, and money is just that avenue sometimes in which we can exchange <laughs> or have an exchange to be able to accomplish what we need to or want to in life, and. Um, which is why, you know, I'm, I'm really a fan of the work that our, our friend Chris Harder is doing because, and I've, I've mentioned this to him before, you know, it, even speaking to mental health uh, as an issue, one of the biggest concerns in our society in, in is, is people's finances and whether they feel like they understand money or not. You know, that can create one of the biggest mental health struggles for people in America, I told, him, I told him not too long ago, I'm like, you need to take your curriculum to the school systems. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm astonished that we require people to file taxes in our society, yet there are very few people who really even understand what that is. And I would say from an impact standpoint, what what drives me on a daily basis is how do we create something in the world that allows people to feel stable in their lives, and um, often, I, and I think it's a legacy thing for me too, Rob. I, I, um, I just feel like in life, like my purpose in life is to make the impact in in the industry that I'm in, and and share the views that I can, and you know, I feel fortunate that money has followed that. Um, you know, I, I, you know this the story, but you know, and most people when, when we're asked to go to college, there's very few, I think, that really actually know what they want to do. And when I went to co- when I was choosing to go to college, I, I had no idea. And I come from a, a line, a long line of like entrepreneurial fam- of people in my family, and so I I watched my dad at a, most of my life um, be a, a, a sole entrepreneur and the, the things that he did. So I grew up around that and. I just felt like I, at some point, wanted to own a business that I felt like could make an impact of some sort. And so I researched what most Fortune 500 CEOs had as backgrounds. And I think like 80% at that point in time had, a backgr- had backgrounds in accounting, and which makes sense. You, know? like, you can't run a business if you don't understand money. And, um, and so I, I ended up going down that route and, and learning accounting, um, which I was always uh, sort of a black sheep in the classes. And, um, and I think it's just because I, I I mean, college never felt comfortable to me. I always just ready to get out in the world and do something. And, um, and so when I was able to get out in the world, I I knew I I wanted to make an impact and I don't necessarily know where that comes from. I, there's part of me that I feel like that was just this thing that I inherited in life. And I saw it in my grandmother and I saw her do that in, in our community. And, um, And it's in my family. My family's just a very loving, they're just loving people. And I feel very fortunate to grow up in the family that I did and and see that and uh, feel that from them. And I think that's just what I wanted to do in the world was figure out something that I felt like I could give back to it that in leaving the world... I would feel like I made a difference in some way. And um, I literally had no idea I would end up in the the industry that I did. And I don't, you know, there's so much that's true about the saying, you have to spend money to make money. And for me, that means that I look at how can I innovate before I'm thinking through how much money I could ever make at anything. And for me, it's innovation that does change the world. And that's sort of a cliche term, I think, because it's so overused. But the evolution of of how I think society works is that we figure out how to cross-pollinate ideas from industries. And that's what I really love doing. I, I'm just nothing makes me happier than to run into this idea or see what someone's doing in some other field. And it could literally be anything from music to technology to architecture. It's all exciting to me. And I'm always looking at where's the application inside of the work that I'm doing. That's really the driver, you know, is is can these ideas make an impact in the world? Because money isn't always, you know, when you're innovating, you don't always know where the money, (laughs) if it will come or if it's there for the idea.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, you and I have talked about you know, this sort of unhealthy relationship that people have between purpose and passion and how it results in a lack of understanding of the self-care that they need to take care of. So sort of on the, you know, on the, the edges of the, the mental health discussion and, you know, what we're talking about now, can you tell me, you know, in what ways as an entrepreneur that you feel like you've struggled with that unhealthy relationship between purpose and passion and, you know, self-care?
1: Yeah. Well, you just asked me about impact. And so, one of the things I've most certainly learned over the years is that if you really want to make an impact in the world, you have to first identify how you make an impact on yourself. And what I mean by that is you have to be aware of who you are, what's good for you, what's not good for you, what brings you joy, what replenishes you. (laughs) I tell people all the time, They're just people in life that are life giving to you. And there are people in life that are life taking from you. And, and that's, that's not to speak bad of anyone. It's just an awareness thing. For me, it's very true. And, and it's a feeling that I have around certain people and, um, that balance of purpose, you know, um, when you feel led to really chase after something, you're giving it all you got. And if you're deciding to really make an impact in the world, that's what it takes. You have to go all in on it. And at the same time, there has to be an awareness of when you need breaks and when you need to take breaks.
0: Well, let's do this. I can talk to you for 10 hours. We're going to wrap up with some rapid fire questions. Uh, First thing that pops in your mind is what I'm after here. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? (laughs)
1: I would say being a visionary or, or or manifesting, you've mentioned it before. I really just, I have ideas that I feel like are something that could be impactful. And I literally, I know that's just the route I'm supposed to go. And I go down those routes and I chase them. And um, just as a quick example, Uh, When I first got into the in-home counseling side of the industry and what I do there, it was not profitable for a couple of years. And my accountant and everyone else is looking at me like, what are you doing? And I knew there was something much bigger I was supposed to do with it. I knew it wasn't what I was doing then, but I also knew it required patience. And it was about five or six years later that we got an opportunity with Anthem to partner to create one of the first in home counseling programs of its kind in the nation. And it did so well that they uh, created it as a national benefit and scaled it into 14 other states. You know, for me, vision doesn't always make sense to people. And I also see it as being my job to help make sense out of vision. And I unfortunately, see a lot of visionaries in the industries, they just start transcending. And not including people, and so it's like they're they're just a train wreck happening because they're like we're supposed to go this way. Why, is, why isn't anyone following? And you know the empathy side of of the discussion we we're talking about with emotional intelligence before is that talent as a visionary means that it's your job to explain what the future's supposed to look like in a way that people can clearly connect to it. And um, To me, that matters. To me, that's about empathy. I I have to validate. When I have an idea, I have to validate that if I can't explain it very well to someone, that I'm going to create anxiety, distrust, and and in some ways, a level of disruption that uh, could harm the organization or the systems that I'm involved with.
0: Yeah, makes perfect sense to me. Okay, different direction. What book have you reread the most?
1: I'm I'm going to mention two. The first one's going to be uh Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. I discovered that book in my in my dark days through a, a psychiatrist that uh w- w- I was working with. And why it impacted me so much and why I always keep going back to it is that I think he the explanation inside of it all is that it doesn't matter what state or, or environment or whatever it is that you're in, you have this choice to either choose life or choose suffering. And I, I would think I was just astounded to read some of the content in that book and see just over and over again him choose life in the ways that he did, and um, the other really impactful book for me, um, which it's it's really fun to have a relationship with the people, you know, someone later that I didn't I didn't know either one of these guys that wrote the book, but uh, my friend Rob Bell and, and Mark Boz wrote the book uh, Drops Like Stars, and Rob had the idea or content for it and um, took it to my friend Mark, and um, Mark it's a it's a it's a visual. Like coffee table type book, it's about how we take how suffering breeds creativity, and it's just it's an incredible book from both a visual standpoint and a literary standpoint. It's it's just one of my favorites out there from a creative side too.
0: Yeah, Man Search for Meaning, uh, Viktor Frankl's book that is the most. That's the answer to that question from the most guests that I have. It's, uh, you know, it, it, I finally, finally took the hit hint and read it myself last year. And wow, wow, oh, wow, yeah, awesome. wow. <laughs> I mean, just incredible. Makes you realize life. Okay, last question before we wrap up. Let's change it up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me?
1: If you weren't doing podcasting and your mastermind, what would you do?
0: wow, that's a great question. If I wasn't doing my podcast or my mastermind, what would I be doing with my life or career? Um, career. My brain wants to keep going back to something that I'm currently doing I don't know that I have an answer that I can give you that would be an authentic answer. I think that from a career standpoint, it is the only thing at this moment that I'm passionate about doing as a career. Like I'm passionate about lots of things outside of career, but in terms of like something that I feel that I can add value for someone I don't have another, another answer. You know what? Okay, here's what I would answer. I'm vacillating back and forth between answering this or not. I've always <laughs> been interested. I've actually never said this publicly, but I've mm. always been interested. I went to the high school of performing arts and I was always around actors and I don't want to be an actor to be famous. That's not something that I would want to do. But I would love to step into the role of somebody completely different and be able to access that part of my personality and do it on screen. So, in other words, like, you know, comp- like not Typecast, not Rob Murgatroyd, but somebody that is completely. Different and be able to share that, whether it's in a theater or on screen. But I'm terrified. <laughs> 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 but that would be the answer. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about that more. We'll, we'll, we'll keep having more talks about it.
1: I, th- I think you should go for it, Rob. I mean, I, there's, there's no reason. I mean, you're, you're. Well, listen, you and my mother be the one who buy
0: the ticket. <laughs> I would come. I would be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, do you have any uh, final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening?
1: You know, I I like to always leave people with with curiosity <laughs> as a as part of the wonder of of what exists in the world. And for me, I, I do think mental health as as a discussion in, the, in our society is changing quite significantly. And just to respectively, talk about the subject and and people getting help, there's so many things out there that you can look at to support your mental health. And one of the core impacts that right now that I'm spending a lot of time on is I, I really believe our central nervous system is part of what's controlling our mental health and our understanding of it. And anything you can do to help shift your reactiveness to things in life. And some of the things that I do, and, and you can do your research on it, is red light therapy, sound therapy. Uh, You and I and Kim had a really long discussion on that, of of just understanding frequencies of sounds that uh, heal our body, really. And um, also understanding the gut, your microbiome, and how that's affecting you as a person. And we're now understanding that 90% of our uh, dopamine and serotonin that's produced um, that affects our mood is in the gut. And even even our heart has neurons. <laughs> and um, there's so many things that, that really, from a mental health standpoint, you need to consider. Not just what the brain's doing, but the entire body is doing something that, that's affecting you and, and as a whole in your mental health. And I just advocate for people. Uh, therapy also is just um, talking to someone in itself, getting it out, uh, relieve the body in some way. And yoga just moving um, allows the body to break some of these bonds that we've held on to in life. And um, so, you know, keep, let's keep talking about the subject. Let's keep exploring things together. Um, And, and Rob, you know, you're you're, uh, a curious man and, and I really appreciate the opportunity to sit down and explore uh, some of our curiosities together when we do. And uh, I felt like your answer towards acting, was a great one because to me the tie-in is that you're curious about people and that's a, a extension yeah, of that you nailed it <laughs> and um, you
0: nailed it well matthew thank you so yeah. much for taking the time with us today
1: yeah no thank you rob i appreciate the invitation look forward
0: to talking to you again